Now, as we spend time in the Word today, we are going to study the text that uh, Liana read earlier from Matthew 21, 28, 32. And it's a story that Jesus tells about two brothers and their father and the implications of all of that. And as we study this text, I believe we'll be able to see that there is no better line of work than the one we are going to see this morning. But before we do that, before we start, please join me, bow your heads as we ask God's direction over this moment. Heavenly Father, we all come here as your children, and we all come here, Lord, hungry for the word, looking forward, Lord, to receiving comfort and wisdom and inspiration and encouragement from your word. Your word is is true, and it is a a lamp unto our feet and a light to our paths. And so, Lord, make that real and true in our lives today. May we be humble and be willing to listen to your voice. I humbly ask, Lord, that you use me as your instrument, that the words that I say here today will be said according to your will, and that your message will be carried, and that your word will come out alive. Help us this morning, keep any distraction away, help us be quiet and settled, that the Holy Spirit will feel comfortable in our midst, moving about, touching hearts and impressing minds. I ask you these blessings in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And so this morning... The text that we read talks about a story that Jesus told those who were uh, within the range of hearing his voice of two brothers and a father that came to them asking to help, asking for help in the vineyard. Now Jesus starts the story with a question and he says, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted and went. Then he came to the second one and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he didn't go. And Jesus asked, Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. Assuredly, for for John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. So who is represented in this parable? Who is represented in the story? Well, for sure the father represents God. For sure the father represents God. And the vineyard represents the church. But the church is not static. We cannot look at the church as only us who are here. And then we come to this building every Sabbath that God has graciously uh, allowed us to have. 
and we come to this meeting and we think, well, that is church. I'm going to church today and I'm looking forward to seeing familiar faces. Well, this is the current state of the church today at this very moment. But the church is not static. Because right now, the gospel is being preached across the world. And God is looking to, into expanding the kingdom all across the world. So let no one think that the church as we have it here and now today is all that God has. Because the Lord wants His vineyards to be enlarged everywhere around the world. So the vineyard is the church as it grows across the world. The father represents God and the two sons represent two classes of people. Which we'll be talking in more detail shortly. And so as we read the text here, Jesus says that the father comes and, and asks the first son by saying, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And as I read this, I, I can't help but think that it is a great privilege. It is probably the greatest privilege I've ever been granted to be called Son of God. To be called a child of God. To be addressed by God by this endearing name. Son. Daughter. My child. It is a privilege to be a child of God. But how do you become a child of God? How do you become a child of God? The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 12. John chapter 1, 12. If you have your Bibles, you can look it up. Or you can look up to the screen where the text will show, is showing already. John chapter 1, verse 12. The Bible says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name. So it is true that we are God's creatures. And in that sense we are God's children because He created us. But as sin came into this world. We found ourselves astray. We found ourselves away from God. But those who received Him. Those who welcomed Jesus in their heart. To them God gave the right that He would be called children of God. And so we become children of God by believing in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. There is another passage I'd like to take you to. And that is Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. Galatians 3 26. And here is how the Apostle Paul describes how one can become a child of God. For you are sons, are all sons of God through what? Faith. In Christ Jesus. And so if anyone was wondering. How do I accept Jesus? It is by faith. So by faith in Jesus Christ. And believing in his wonderful name. You are made a child of God. And that includes. That involves. The process of the new birth. I want to take you back to John. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 verse 1 verse 11. And then. 12 and 13. John chapter 1 verses 11 to 13. Here is what the Bible says. He came to his own. And his own did not receive him. But as many as received him. 
To them he gave the right to become what? Children of God. To those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood. Not of the will of the flesh. Nor of the will of man. But of God. And so to become a child of, becoming a child of God involves a new birth. We all had our first birth when we came out of the wombs of our mothers. But now we are called into accepting Jesus and believing in His name. And then going through the process of this new birth. Becoming new creatures in Jesus. And there is another imagery. There is one other imagery here in the Bible that I'd like to, you to contemplate as well. And this one speaks to certain people more profoundly, more deeply. And we find that in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 in the verse 5. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. And here the Bible says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And so you accept Christ and you go through the new birth, but the truth of the matter is that we are accepted into the family of God as adopted children. Now some people have gone through the experience of being adopted. And of course, if you were adopted as a little baby, as a little child who may not understand things until you get older. And most times, people who have been adopted, they have this yearning desire to maybe meet their biological parents, which is totally understandable. But the truth is that having a place to call home, having a place, having people to call your family, is what gives us peace of mind and gives us security to go forward, to go forth in life. And when you accept Jesus and you come into the family of God by adoption, we are all equal here and we are all adopted children of God. And once we've been adopted, we have all the rights as heirs to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So there is no Greek, there is no Jew, there is no female, there is no male, there is no natural child, there is no adopted child. We are all heirs to the kingdom of God. And so that's how we become children of God. And that's how we can be called by the Father, Son, Daughter, My Child. But the father in the story here in the parable, he's calling out his sons for something specific. He says to the first son, son, go work today in my vineyard. He's calling the son to work. So he's not calling the son to do anything less than take part in the work that he has for him in the vineyard. Now I grew up and knowing people who had uh, family businesses. And sometimes you, you may see this, the father or the parents are getting older and they're looking, looking around to their children to see any of them or which of them rather would have that business insight to carry forward the family business. And many times they, they find that in one of their children. And so that children will be the one responsible to carry forward the business of the, of the family down through the generations. 
But in many cases, and I will even say this, particularly when the business go really, really, really well, when the family makes a lot of money, when they become wealthy from their business, sometimes it is hard to find a child that will carry on the business because they enjoy so much the money and they don't care much about business. They don't care much about taking care of what the parents have founded, have created. But this father is coming to his two sons and he expecting, he's expecting that they will carry on the, his business, that they will join him and go out and work on the farm, in the vineyard. And so he comes to the first one and says, go work. And this is representing the father, our heavenly father. Our heavenly father has called you to work. It is comfortable to come here today on the Sabbath morning and sit here in the pews and, and sing praises to the Lord and pray together and uh, fellowship with our brothers and sisters. But we cannot lose sight of the fact that the Lord is calling us to work. The Lord is calling us, come here, let us reason together. But then he says, go work. Then he says, go ye therefore. And so we're being called to work. And if you, by any chance, which I highly doubt, if you've never been told that you became a Christian and you joined God's people to be in activity at work, now I'm telling you today that we are supposed to carry forward the business that Jesus started long ago of saving souls through this agency called the church. The Son of God, Jesus himself, considered it a joy to work for his Father. When Jesus was there in the temple, uh, after the Passover, at the end of the Passover festivities, and all of his uh, relatives, his parents, his friends were returning home, Jesus stayed there in the temple. And you know the story, after Mary and Joseph came back looking for Jesus, and they found him there in the temple, arguing with the, with the doctors of the law, his parents said, his mother said, why did you do that to us? And Jesus said, did you not know? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Did you not know this? This is what I came to this world for. And so he had joy. He had pleasure in working for his father. In a prophecy that the psalmist wrote in Psalm 40, verse 8, Psalm 40, verse 8, in a prophecy pointing to Jesus as if Jesus was speaking himself right there. The Bible says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. So for Jesus, it was a delight to do the will of the Father. And then in John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus says, I must work the works of him who that, uh, him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And so Jesus had this joy, this delight, and even this eagerness to be doing the work of the Father. And he wanted to do that while it was still day. And so every single child of God, every adopted child of God, Every heir to the kingdom is also included in this call to work. We are co-workers with God. We are part of God's royal priesthood, as the Bible says. 
You are my priests. You are a chosen generation. You are my royal priesthood. And so we all are called. It's not only the elders, not only the leaders, not only the pastors, not only the men, but the women, the children, the elderly. All of us are called to work. But then comes the question, where should I be working? Where should I be working? Someone might be even thinking, what is this work all about? Well, we'll talk about the work shortly. But where should I be working? Well, the father says, son, come and go work today in my vineyard. And so the work of the Lord takes place in his vineyard. And like I said, the vineyard is in the first place, the church. Let's see Isaiah. Let's see rather Matthew chapter 21. And verses 33 and 43, I'm not going to read the entire text, but you can make notes there if you want. Matthew 21, 33 to 43, when Jesus is talking about the vineyard. And it becomes clear again that the vineyard represents God's church. The vineyard represents God's church. And the church, I will tell you, if you want to be involved... The church has many different ministries. We have, never, we have not come to the point, and I don't think we'll come to the point where we'll come here to the front and say, uh, we no longer need anyone's help for a certain ministry. We just collected the offering here for God's closet. And uh, by the way, we always need help with God's closet. We need help collecting, collecting clothes. We need help when the event takes place. We need people helping. Uh, that's one of the ministries of the church we can help with. And it is a beautiful ministry. Where people come and they are served. And we get in contact with them. And they have a chance to get in contact with God's children. Right here in the church. There are other ministries in the church. And as far as I understand, we need help in all of them. There are different initiatives. There are different efforts that are put out throughout the year and we all can be part of that we all can get involved an appeal was made here today for the waterfront festival we have a booth there as we have had over the years and we need all the help we can get to be there so the vineyard of the lord is not only this one building the vineyard of the lord is not only our households the vineyard of the lord is always expanding it's entering unentered areas it is going out to people who have not heard the gospel yet. It's going out to people who have a misconception of what the gospel and the church are. That's the vineyard of the Lord. That's where the Lord is calling us to work. And it's a great privilege. It is a great honor to take part in the activities of the church and to answer the call of God to work. But there is a word here that I want to draw your attention to. Let's go back here to verse 28 in Matthew 21. Matthew 21 verse 28. The father is speaking still to the first son. And he says, son, go work in my vineyard when? When is the father asking the son to work? Today. today. Oh, the father is asking today. The father is not booking and says, son... Next year, around this time, I would like to ask you to come and work. No, I have a work for you today. 
And so Jesus himself, and we're going to go to that text now, John chapter 9 verse 4. Jesus himself had very clear in his mind that there was a time frame that the opportunities are not everlasting, that they come and go and they may never come back again. Jesus says in John 9 verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is what? Day. Because the night is coming when no one can work. And so in this, in this illustration, this imagery, Jesus is saying there is a time for everything. And the Bible says that. And we must work while it's day. The night comes and we cannot work. The night is dangerous. The night is full of dangers and we want to take advantage of the, the day so we can work for the Lord. Jesus had that clear in his mind. And so this proves that there is always an end to the time that we have allotted for service. There was a limited time for Noah to work. You remember the story of the flood. Noah was there preaching and building the ark. And he was there for many, many years but that window of opportunity, one day it closed. It didn't remain open forever. And so it came to an end. The Bible also says that there was a window of opportunity for lots uh, to work, for lots to work in Sodom. Lot was there. I truly believe that he was exercising a good testimony for the truth. But it came to the point where he had to be rescued. He had to be uh, removed from that situation because the window of opportunity for Sodom and Gomorrah had closed. You know the story of the ten virgins as well in Matthew 25, 1 to 12. There was an end to the opportunity. To every effort, there comes an end. And so the Bible gives emphasis to the idea that we also have limited time to work for the Lord to reach out to people who need to know the Lord. The Bible says today if you'll hear His voice. Do not harden your hearts. Today this is the opportunity. In 2 Corinthians 6. 1 to, 3, 1 to 3. The Bible says now is the day of salvation. Because today is what we have. Tomorrow is not promised. None of us is guaranteed tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when we can and have to work. And the Bible says in Isaiah 49, 8, Thus says the Lord, In an acceptable time have I heard thee. So there is a time limit. And the Father is saying, Son, go work today in my vineyard. But what is the work that we are called to do? I just gave you here two uh, simple and short examples, but very important ones of helping with God's closet and helping with the waterfront festival. Those are two areas where you can work. But the work of the Lord has many different areas where we all can serve. You may be prompted, you may, be feel, you may feel inspired to go out and maybe uh, knock on doors and talk to people and get acquainted to them and uh, pray with them if they, if they accept and make friends with people uh, across uh, our city here in Belleville. Other people may feel more encouraged 
to call on the phone and talk to people and pray with people on the phone or to make visits at the home or make visits in the hospital. You may be called by God to do a special work within your own family. Maybe you are in a family where you are the only one Christian. You are the single Christian in your family. And the Lord can and will empower you to be a powerful witness to your relatives. The Lord may be calling you to exercise different types of ministries. But we cannot, and I'm saying this to myself even, we cannot forget... We cannot, uh, we cannot forget about opportunities we have to serve people both in the church and outside of the church. You know, with all the truth that the Lord has shown to you, showed to you, with all the truth that you may have learned throughout life, with all the lessons that the Lord has impressed your heart with, none of that will be of effect of any effect if you do not interact with people. So how good is it to acquire all that knowledge, to accumulate all that knowledge, if you are not putting that to service for the Lord, if you are not sharing that with other people. And I'm not saying that necessarily you have to grab a microphone and a speaker and go downtown in Belleville and set it up there in the square in the city and start preaching. And preach all day their sermons. Maybe the Lord will call you to do that. Maybe you will feel that this is the most appropriate thing to do on a given day or at a certain time. But preaching is not only preaching the word. Preaching is living the gospel. Living out the gospel. Is showing and reflecting a character that is absolutely Christ-like in all of your interactions. And so this is the work the Lord is calling you to do. Is to make known in this sin-sick and troubled world the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. You are my witnesses, says the Lord. You shall be witnesses unto me. The Lord calls us to be fishers of men. To win souls is the heart of our heavenly assignment. There are blessings promised in the Bible for those who decide to work in the Father's vineyard. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. The Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What we do will always be rewarded. Not with a big mansion, not with a big house, not with money here in this world, not with a nice brand new car, but will be rewarded with everlasting life. We'll be rewarded with stars in our crown. We'll be rewarded by the work we do for Him, because this is the promise of the Bible. The Bible also says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 9. The book of Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 rather. <coughs> Hebrews six ten. It says. 
For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Everything we do, you do for the Lord does not go unnoticed. He notices that. And He's going to give you a reward. He's going to give you peace of mind. He's going to give you joy. And He's going to give you a home next to Him, close to Him in the heavenly, in the heavenly abode. Now in Psalms 126, Psalm 126 and verse 6, Psalm 126 verse 6, there is another promise here in the Bible that's very precious. And here is the word of the Lord. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And I tell you, for some of us, more than for others, as you go out witnessing for the Lord, it may be a painful exercise. Some people will have a hard time witnessing to, to family members. Some people will have a hard time witnessing to people they have known from childhood. And they may be rejected. They may be mocked. They may be despised. But the Bible is saying that even though you may go out weeping, you will come back rejoicing because the Lord will give you the victory. And you will come back bringing His sheaves with you. And so there are many ways, many different ways where you can, where you can serve the Lord. I want, to, I want to say this. I want to ask you actually. So when Jesus told that story and he turned to them and said, Which of the two sons did the will of the father? What did they answer? They answered that the first one, the one who said, I will not. Well, later on decided to go. And so Jesus asked, who did the will of the Father? They answered the first. And so if I were to ask you here today, this is not a rhetorical question. I'm actually asking you, which of the two sons did the will of the Father? The first one. But I want you to notice, notice something. They said the first one. But that first one son does not get any condemnation from Jesus. Jesus did not condemn the first son because he said no. But Jesus did not commend him either because he did what the father asked him to do. And what I'm trying to say is his attitude saying I will not was not commendable. But still Jesus did not condemn him for that. And his attitude of going later on regretting his word to his father and deciding to go later on. And work in the vineyard was the right thing to do. But Jesus did not commend that either. Because I think that in the mind of Jesus, the message to each one of us is this. When the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to you, you ought to immediately say, yes, yes, Lord, I will. And follow through with that. Follow through and do what you have promised to do. And so today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, Hebrews 4, 7. Because this is the day that the Lord is calling you to work in his vineyard. When the call comes, we ought to say yes immediately. When God says, go work in my vineyard today, there is a test of sincerity embedded right there. 
I like to preach. I will say this to you. I don't know if you have noticed this, but I like to preach. I didn't grow up preaching, but once I started preaching, I really enjoyed it. But preaching from, from the pulpit is probably the least that a pastor can and should do. You know, the bulk of the pastor's work involves many other things. And it is in those things, I'm being, I'm being open to you here, it is in those other things that I ask the Lord every day to help me be a faithful shepherd, a faithful pastor. And it may not always be easy or it may not always be straightforward, but I'm asking the Lord every day, help me be a faithful servant in all those things outside of the pulpit. And so the question embedded in, the, the, the issue embedded in that question, when Jesus says, when the Father says, go work in my vineyard today, is a test of sincerity. Whether or not we're going to follow up with actions what we say. Whether or not we're, go, we're going to follow through with action what we preach. Will God's children act upon their own words, their own vows, their own promises to God? I will show you one thing that you can do. And please don't, uh, don't think that I am trying to, uh, 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 to impose anything. But I'm going to show you a way where you can help. A way where you can bless someone. And some of you, I might even say many of you, have already helped in this one regard. I'm going to show you a picture that was taken just this morning in the Belleville Hospital. That's our dear brother Clifford. And you can see that he's in good spirits, right? He's giving a thumbs up even. And I am as well. And so we had the, the blessing, the privilege of going there this morning before coming to church, my family and I, and visiting Clifford in the Belleville Hospital. So Clifford is now transferred to a nursing home here in, in Belleville, in Bayside. But yesterday he checked into the hospital, into the Belleville Hospital, because there was a sliver kind of protruding from, uh, uh, from the, the, the place, from the, the stump, stump, sorry, that's the name, from the stump. And, and the doctors looked at that and said, no, we need to, to do another surgery uh, to, to cut that piece of the bone that is taken out. And so that is probably taking place right now as we speak, or it may have already taken place. And so I was there just before he would go to the, to the operating room. And so my appeal to you is this, if you, if you can, Please take some time this afternoon to go see Clifford and pray with him and, and cheer him up. He is in really good spirits. He has gained some weight. He is feeling well. And I said, you look good. And he said, I'll tell you one thing, Pastor. I cannot see how I'm looking because you are looking at me now. But you say I'm looking good. But I feel great. I feel great. Uh, other than this, that you know, we're going to have this surgery today. My body feels just great. And he's taking care of his other leg. He's doing treatment in the other leg. And so things have been progressing in his own words. And so he's right here in the Belleville Hospital uh, in, in room number 606. 
6.06 and you can go there, visit him and pray for him anytime this afternoon. I don't know if Marie has any updates in whether or not he's been operated yet. Okay. So, but, but here's a, that's one thing you can do, right? And so when God says, go work in my vineyard, our answer should be yes, and we should follow through with that. And so I want to close this morning. I want to close by telling you a story and then going back to our text, Matthew 28, Matthew 21, rather, and reading the text. But there is a story of a, of a, a diamond collector. And it said that he was of a, a Dutch origin. So this Dutch diamond, diamond collector was looking for a specific diamond. And he was looking and looking, trying to find it. It was a very rare diamond and he could not find it. But a dealer in New York City uh, found out that this man was looking for that specific rare diamond. And this dealer in New York, his name was Mr. Winston. And Mr. Winston decided to call to, to call the diamond collector. And he called him and said, Sir, I've heard of your inquiry and I believe that I have this rare diamond you're looking for. If you wouldn't mind coming here, I can show you that diamond. And so the diamond collector came to New York and went to that uh, dealer. And when he got in there, Mr. Winston uh, introduced himself and said, I'm going to leave you with my best salesman here. And he introduced his best salesman. And the salesman went to the diamond collector and explained all about the diamond. He explained all the technical details about that diamond. But a few minutes into the conversation, very few minutes into the conversation, the Dutch diamond collector said, okay, sir, it's enough. This is not really what I was looking for. And watching from a distance, Mr. Winston sees the, the customer turn around and walk, start his way walking out from the store. And he was intrigued by that. So he runs after the, the collector and says, sir, sir, uh, can I present the diamond again to you? And the collector said, okay, I, I'll agree. And so Mr. Winston, Mr. Uh, Winston pulled out the same diamond. And he started to describe his admiration for this particular diamond. And within minutes, they were signing papers. And the diamond collector had just purchased that rare diamond. And as the gentleman was walking out, talking to Mr. Winston, he turns to Mr. Winston and said, I don't know what happened. Why was it so easy for me to say no to your salesman a while ago? And now I have just purchased this diamond from you. I don't know what happened to me. And Mr. Winston answered this. Well, I'll tell you, my friend, that salesman is the best in the business. He knows more about diamonds than anyone, including myself. And I pay him a large salary for his knowledge and expertise. But I'll tell you this. I would gladly pay him twice as much if I could put into him something which I have that he lacks. You see, he knows diamonds, but I love them. And so, my dear friends, this is also true in the work of the Lord. We may know about Jesus, we may know about the true, we may, truth, we may have collected all that had knowledge. But once, not until we love Him, we come to the point where we really love Him, we'll not be able to do 
effectively the work that he has for us. And not only that, we may have knowledge, we may acknowledge that there are many people who still need to hear the truth, many people who still need to hear the gospel. We may have that knowledge, but until we love them in our hearts, until we have a burden in our hearts for having them brought into the kingdom, nothing is going to change much. And so I'm going to ask you to go back with me in Matthew 28, verses 28, Matthew 21, verses 28 to 32. Matthew 21, 28 to 32. And after I read, I'm going to ask you five questions. And you can write those questions down if you want. But I really would like you to meditate upon those questions, not only today, even during the week, if you can, if you will. Matthew 28 to, uh, 21, 28 to 32. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He, said, he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted, regretted it and went. Then he came to the second son and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I will go, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Surely I say to you that the tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him, and when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. And so when the gospel comes to us, when the calling comes to us to work for others, we ought to respond immediately. And I want you to meditate upon these questions. How is your relationship with God right now? How is your relationship with God right now? We may have knowledge of the truth, we may be convinced that it is the right thing to worship God on the seventh day Sabbath. We may have all the reasons to be here today. But how is your relationship with God right now? Are you being honest with Him? Are you being open with Him? Are you being transparent with Him? Second question I want to ask you is, what have you read in the Bible in this past week? Have you read the Bible at all this past week? What have you read in the Bible this past week? And once you've read it, what did you read there? And the third question is, what has God said to you in your reading of the Bible? When you took time to read the Bible, what has God said to you? How has He spoken to you this past week? And once God speaks to you, and as you think about these two sons in the story, my fourth question is, where do you find yourself resisting God these days? Where do you find yourself? In which area of your life do you see yourself resisting the appeal of God, His calling these days? It may be a calling to work. It may be a call to abandon something, to leave something behind in your life. 
How do you find, where do you find yourself resisting him these days? And finally, what specific things are you praying for in regard to yourself? You see, we may have all the reasons in the world to try to convince people of something. But until we walk with the Lord on a daily basis, until all of our answers in life, until all of our responses, until all of the things we, we justify and explain to others, until everything we teach comes from the Word of God, comes from a, an intimate relationship with the Lord, until then, we're going to be missing out on the real deal that it is to serve and to love the Lord. So my prayer for you and for me today is that we'll be diligent students of Scripture, that we'll exercise in reading the Bible and praying to the Lord, and that we'll take to heart those questions and confront ourselves before God, asking, Lord, take everything I am. I surrender everything and change anything you need in my life, that I may be a representative of Christ right here on earth. And that more people will join the kingdom and that the vineyard of the Lord will be expanded until he comes. God bless us.